with Immersive, what's beautiful is that most collaborators, most producers, most creatives are interested in telling their secrets. They're interested in making sure that other people succeed. Search high and low. One of the first times that I had heard the word Immersive, I actually moved from New York to L.A. I wasn't really aware of what the theater scene was there, what to expect. People in general are looking for not just a release, but a way to get involved. A lot of the script is built with the cast right there in the room. I was with Delusion until the beginning of this year, so 2019 as a producer. On Safe House 77 and 82, I came on as a line producer. I have consulted with the Speakeasy Society, worked with Coact Productions, board member of Leia. Currently with uh, Mia Wolf in Santa Fe. I am a project manager producer for the Denver Project. Um, wow. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. But how does it all come together? How does one take a multitude of moving parts, actors and scripts and settings, varying degrees of audience agency, assemble them into emotionally evocative experiences. If you are the creator, the producer, the director, the writer, venturing into unknown territories, the prospect of working in a medium where you are intentionally giving the audience an opportunity to exert their own Philistine agency on your creation might sound like an undisguised nightmare. But as it turns out, there is some methodology to this and a select few brilliant producers with more than a little experience in the subtle art of immersive experience. Naya Mack is an LA-based producer and consultant who has worked with Meow Wolf, Safe House 77, and 82, Delusion, and Coact Productions, to name just a few. Naya is here to share her experience creating in the immersive realm with all of you. Naya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you for taking the time to come on on this lovely Friday afternoon. Um, so just to start off with, as we do, if you could pick a fictional or fantasy world of some variety that you would love to find yourself adventuring in for some time, what what world would you want to want to spend some time in? I really like this question. I feel like people don't get asked this enough, um, but I. I'd say I'm really a big fan of an artist named Janelle Langford, who um, created this world called Obsidiopolis. And um, what I know of it now is it's a really fantastic art, I'd say artscape, if you will, slash um, fictional world where Black girl magic is never ending and always celebrated. So uh, I know there's a comic book series on the way. Um, She's done a collaboration with Meow Wolf, which includes... Um, some murals, um, a merch line, uh, and some some other elements I'm sure I'm not even aware of, but um, I'm most excited about it because I feel like it celebrates a world a world where um, POC and Black women can be seen as multifaceted and also see as also as seen as the heroes that we are. Most definitely, wonderful. I'm very excited to come back to that um, in the Make It Immersive segment. We can yeah. spend some time exploring what it would look like to create an experience based on that world. Um, right, right. But from there, just for a little bit of context, um, 
you have a lot of top-down experience producing immersive adventures and experiences of all sorts. Um, tell me a little bit about how you started working in immersive and interactive experience. I actually started out in traditional theater. It's um, been a world that I've had about 15 plus years experience um, in a variety of roles. And uh, I actually moved from New York to L.A. Um, in the year of 2013, 2013. And um, when I moved, I was working on uh, a musical called Silence the Musical. It was a fantastic sort of like farce slash, um, I would just say like really well done comedic retelling of, of course, Silence of the Lambs. And um, when I moved to LA, I wasn't really aware of what the what the theater scene was there, what to expect in terms of where my career was going to go. But I did know I was really interested in figuring out more about what producing entails, um, how those opportunities sort of even come to fruition. Um, I was really interested in the business side of what, um, I guess, theater was or could be since I had come from an acting background. And um, yeah, when I was in LA, I feel like the community there is really tight knit from theater to film um, to commercials. And uh, I met a few folks um, while I was working on a show called um, Carry the Musical that was at the Los Angeles Theater downtown. And when I was working on that show, it was one of the first times that I had heard the word immersive as part of marketing for the actual show and as part of as part of the overall concept. So I think for me, it was a place where theater and immersive were coming together. I really didn't understand all that that entailed. I just knew it was um, an interesting way of one, involving the audience and two, transforming the set and transforming the action around the audience um, to be a lot more inclusive and action oriented. So um, it, again, it was at a time where I feel like there was a community that had a lot more language and understanding of um, experiential storytelling as a whole, including VR, ARG, escape rooms, um, the, you know, the entire art form. But at that time, I was introduced to um, one of the creators uh, and the director, excuse me, the creator and the director of Delusion, um, John Braver. And he had come to see a performance of Carrie the Musical, and he and I were able to um, engage through a friend of a friend to basically let him know that I was interested in learning more about producing. Plus, he was able to um, have an opportunity to see what L.A. theater had to offer in terms of what they were calling, quote unquote, immersive. Um, I feel like at that time there were a lot more haunted houses that were sort of really taking over immersive at the time there weren't a lot of other genres or a lot of other um ongoing year-round options in terms of immersive so uh yeah he and i just had some great conversations about um the work that he does delusion the audience base um and honestly timing just had it that he was looking for somebody to step into a producer role um with the team that he had already established and I actually had just a great opportunity to see what it was like to step into a producer role. So um, for me, it was it was really timing and a great show called Carry the Musical that brought me into this crazy world. That's fantastic. What was it like <laughs> stepping into the producer role for the first time? 
My situation was unique simply because Delusion had been running for about six years at that point. Um, so the fan base and the reputation and the social media, the actual team behind the vision, they were all, it was a well-run machine. So everything I just felt was um, well-established, but I also saw that there was a value that I brought to the table in terms of um, just thinking about it more as theater and thinking about a lot of the, um, I'd say norms slash considerations that that live theater does have to sort of um, always be mindful of. So my experience was interesting in the fact that I learned about delusion without seeing it. So it was one of those things that from the time that I got the script to the time that I met the cast and met the team to the time that we actually started building and putting all the elements together, I think I really didn't understand how impactful and just how large scale um, this production really was in LA. So um, I think opening night, it was, it was one of the most, um, I would just say rewarding evenings that I've had in a long time, because it was not only just seeing how the show came together, um, but it was also then being able to engage with the audience right after in person, which again, not a lot of other art form, not a lot of, not a lot of other art forms um, offer that option. So yeah, I'd say my experience all in all was really fantastic. It truly helped me understand um, how much a producer does and contributes and, um, and how involved they are with every single facet of the process. Um, and I also would say it helped me really really, I'd say, build a family that I wasn't expecting to build. So the team from that um, that particular show, I'm still very close with, and we support each other in all other facets. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say about my experience. Really lovely and rewarding. Yeah, yeah. And it really is, in so many ways, a very community-based medium um, for a multitude of reasons. But coming into that, you said that you didn't realize exactly how impactful it would be. Was that opening night or what, what happened in that opening night that put you in a place to realize ex like the degree of impact that immersive as a medium had on people or another night, if it wasn't the opening night specifically. Mm. Uh, it was everything from hearing from audience members that make it a tradition to not only come every year, but to bring friends and to bring a group. Um, I feel like it takes a lot to just get people to leave the house now with all the temptation to stay home and Netflix and do whatever else you'd like to do um, to get people to come out in groups and participate in something that um, their friends are just telling them it's going to be cool and fun, but they don't really know. I feel like there's a lot of, um, there's just a lot to be said for the fact that it's very engaging and um, and people are want to bring their friends to to share in that. I'd also say just the sheer amount of repeat guests we had come through. I mean, family, friends, um, those that, again, maybe were seeing it for the first time in 2016, um, but then they came to see it four or five different times. One, because they were fans, but two, because of the way that the show was designed. Um, so a lot of different tracks and characters and um, 
parts of the actual venue to explore. I think people get really excited about the fact that um, they get to see every single part of how the story is being told. Um, yeah, and, and impact beyond that is just um, to be able to mingle in the lobby or mingle outside with, while folks are one, um, talking about how excited they are to see how different it was from years past. And also to hear people's experience when they came out, like I was not expecting this or um, you all did such a great job with the, there were always, you know, stunts involved with delusion just because that's something that John is very, very versed in. And um, it's a great element that really works with the storytelling um, of delusion. So, yeah, I just say it really was a range of just understanding how um, folks really wanted to not always come to delusion, but they wanted it to be year round. They wanted to figure out, you know, if there are other ways that they could be involved in some way, shape or form, the amount of people that um, on the team had come to see delusion and afterwards wanted to actually work on the show. Um, I just think it speaks volumes to the, yeah, the effect that it had on a lot of people in a, in a different range of ways. Yeah. And something you mentioned in the South by Southwest panel was the fact that oftentimes the action item at the end of any giving piece of creative is not for immersive necessarily just go buy this product. It's more go tell someone the story of the thing you just experienced. Um, 100%. How, how do you design for that? Wow. Uh, I think that's a great question. I would say the best way to design for that is to focus on the story. I, at my understanding, um, just in understanding the trends of how guests really get engaged or, um, again, I, I would say just as well to buy a ticket that's, you know, $100 plus without knowing what you're actually going to see. Um, I think it just says a lot about focusing on the story, focusing on how folks will engage with that story and making it universal. Um, I think it has a lot to do with making sure that your cast um, and your team is really, I'd say that they are really part of the creative process from the beginning, because um, similar to theater, there is a lot of, um, a lot of work that's put into the script, but with immersive, what's beautiful is, a lot of the script is built with the cast right there in the room, just based on their experience, based on understanding um, in, a, in a case like Delusion or even in a case like Safe House um, 77 and 82, which I'm a part of. Um, folks know those worlds. And when you build a strong world and when you tell a story that people can really get involved in, I think from there, you're really just making sure that you have, um, you know, a beautiful venue and, um, and enough time to really put all the elements together. Uh, folks are really, I would say people in general are looking for not just a release, but a way to get involved, a way to have some group activity and connection and immersive can do that really, really seamlessly if, um, yeah, if all the right players are in place. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And that is certainly the, probably the strongest thing that immersive and immersion as a medium has going for it, the ability to bring people into a live space where they have authentic interactions with not just the actors, but with the people around them in a way that, you know, <laughs> very few or maybe nothing else really does. So I know that speaking to many other creators and producers, that 
actors or finding actors can be tricky because it's a very different paradigm from what traditional acting is. Have you been able to find actors or communicate to actors who maybe aren't familiar with the medium what what it's all about and just finding finding people to really define an experience for the guests who come through? Search high and low. I mean, I feel like it's worth a combination <laughs> of you know, do you know what I mean? Use yeah, all resources. Yeah. Um, to going to shows and anybody that you connect with or you hear about other people connecting with. I mean, the community is small and it is connected. Um, so if you do happen to engage with somebody that um, you think it's worth reaching out to because you have a role in mind for them or, or something of the like, absolutely use that as a channel. Open calls have also been really fantastic. I feel like with immersive, what's beautiful is that in traditional theater, open calls can very much turn into like two minutes, two bars, you're in and out, you're moving, you know, 90 people throughout two hours um, just to see as many people as possible. Um, But with immersive, what I've found to be fun is like, you don't have to stick to that sort of um, process. Your process can be, we're going to give you three props and six lines and 15 minutes with these six people that you've never met. And we're going to come back in the room and you tell us what you come up with. And that just has to do with collaboration and remembering the prompts and um, how did it all get pulled together and what, and um, did it actually make sense? And were you able to deliver? Did you have questions and how, and how do you interact with um, sort of those type of unique requests? So I have found that um, open calls can be, I, I would say a lot more interesting and a lot more um, complex, if you will, than maybe other traditional avenues and some open calls we have met. I have met people that um, have never done immersive before, but just from their audition alone, it was it was worthwhile to make sure that they were a part of whatever cast we were creating. Um, and I'd say maybe another uh Another helpful tip is really reaching out to other collaborators. I find that specifically in LA, I can speak to this, that most collaborators, most producers, most creatives are interested in telling their secrets. They're interested in making sure that other people succeed. So yeah, if it's worth tapping into other companies that you respect, work with, have been to their performances and want to get ideas, by all means. I think that's a great suggestion. Oh, yeah. So it's it's not just the output that is an incredibly collaborative thing between the guests and the actors, but the creation process that has to be has to be collaborative from the start, whether that be externally with other creators or internally, just making sure the actors are highly involved there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say um, in any role that I've taken taken on as a consultant, that's top of the list in terms of advice, because um, yeah, it's a resource. No stuff. A great one. Yeah. So from, from the point of your first role as a producer with delusion, you have done so, so many things since then. Could you speak a little bit about all the projects that you've worked on and the uh, path from there to here or there to now, I should say. Oh, great. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was with delusion from 2016 until um, the beginning of this year, so 2019 as a producer, um, I worked on a team with 
another co-producer on that show. Um, actually, excuse me, two other co-producers on that show. And um, from there, uh, there was actually during 2017, we didn't have a production of Delusion. And um, timing wise, I had connected with Noah Nelson. We had become friends. He uh, had recommended me to a now dear friend, Nick Reinwald Jones, who is the creator um, and director of Safe House, uh, 77 and 82, who was looking for a line producer. So um, he and I were able to collaborate that year and up until now, so 2017 until now, um, on Safe House 77 and 82, I came on as a line producer um, and really have been helping him with some consulting work and just making sure that um, logistics and operations are up and running. Uh, oh, man, other things to speak of, I would say. Uh, I currently work with uh, Mia Wolf in Santa Fe. Um, I am a project manager producer for the Denver Project opening in 2021. I also have consulted with uh, the Speakeasy Society. They were um, launching a fundraising campaign for uh, the Johnny Cycle, which actually just closed uh, this past August and excuse me, this past September. And um, we work together to just make sure that the growth and um, some of the goals that they had for the upcoming years could be supported. And um, so I worked with them consulting for the crowdfunding campaign and also on some pre-production items they had before um, the Johnny Cycle, which is fantastic because I'm a really, really big fan of the work that they've done. Um, and I, I, Honestly, they were top of the list of folks that I wanted to work with. So that was a dream come true. Um, I also worked with Coact Productions, which um, Lindsay Skogan is the executive producer and, and uh, founder of that company. They produced a show called uh, Sideshow, which um, very small scale, beautiful, immersive piece that I'm almost positive is going to have a remount soon. I really hope I'm not spilling the beans, but regardless, we will spill the beans if that is the case. Um, and I helped with um, some pre-production consulting and logistics that they wanted uh, some guidance on. I have also worked with Leia. I'm a board member of um, Leia, which is an organization called the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists. Um, and that we're actually in the process of um, opening up membership and um, incorporating very, very soon. But in the meantime, we have been putting together like a lot of resources around um, anything that can benefit or support the work of immersive artists. So that includes um, putting together a list of insurance brokers that specifically understand this work and how to properly help you find the best insurance for these experiences and um, venues that we're working in. Um, we're also working with uh, the city of Los Angeles and um, stakeholders involved there to help with permitting since we, there are a lot of uh, obstacles involved with just making sure there are enough venues for the work that wants to happen in LA. Um, and yeah, a couple of other resources that, that, organization is working on, which is um, really fantastic. And I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, wow. I think that covers it. Wow. In terms yeah. Of, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a busy three years. <laughs> it has been. It has been indeed. I also, I guess I should mention, I've also worked with uh, the Pasadena Playhouse. Um, I worked with them for about three years. And uh, one of, I'd say, my most proud accomplishments was for their 100-year 
anniversary, they produced uh, a block party for the community free, just uh, celebrating the arts. And um, I was one of the producers of that event. It was a really, really fantastic um, turnout. But what was great was we were able to bring immersive and VR partners uh, to the table to, I would say, engage with an audience that doesn't normally get to be exposed to immersive arts. They tend to be traditional theater goers. Um, so yeah, there were some fantastic scavenger hunts and um, on-site poetry and VR experiences that I know that people are still talking about to this day. So that was a, that was a really fantastic. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Yeah. And so much of, so much of the challenge of everybody who is working in our space right now is just exposing people to too immersive and just being like, Hey, this is a thing. This is really, really worth the time checking out because of <laughs> so, so many reasons. Um, but yeah, really so many people have just not encountered immersive as a medium yet, or even know what's out there. That's true. And I feel like it is slowly growing a fan base and people are starting to recognize what it might mean when they see it mentioned and, um, marketing or advertising of sorts. But what I what I really enjoy is when you get to see those in-person first-timers have an honest uh, reaction about what they saw and what they were expecting. Um, I always find that to be really special because there's something almost childlike about it. There's a wonder there. That there most definitely is. That there most definitely is. Um... I wonder if now might be a good time to segue into the make it immersive segment. If you are, if you are willing and down. Let's do it. Wonderful. So. Ob- Obsidiopolis, correct? Obsidiopolis. Obsidiopolis. What, how would you go about creating an experience in that world? And I don't know, I'm not familiar with that world, so I can't speak to a starting place there, but what would you, what would you want to communicate in narrative? How would you bring that together? If you had like, say no holds barred, you could just do anything creatively. Mm, I would say in a world where that was my choice, uh, I would likely just take just a normal Tuesday in Obsidiopolis. I would probably set it up like a mini, um, I'd say like a very mini experience, nothing longer than 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I would likely stage it in somewhere as large as like a warehouse with a couple of different floors or a large conference hall, maybe a mall of some sort. And really, I would just populate the entire universe with um, personas and personalities and characters and archetypes from Obsidiopolis. And then um, I think I would I would tie it into stories that have to do with the community of wherever the venue is. Um, and then ideally, I would open it up to the community for free for a very limited amount of time um, for groups of probably less than 10. Because I always just find that that's, I think, sort of the sweet spot of um, making sure groups can have enough room to roam around and um, not feel overcrowded. And really I would, I would play a lot with what everyday 
life might look like through this lens and through this world and through these people. So probably a celebration of um, Blackness, of Black excellence, of great music, probably amazing food, um, some, some sort of uh, arts celebration, maybe live poetry. Um, but it would just be a riff on life in this world, but like a short take on it. And you're going to want more when you leave. That, yeah, I think that would be how I would stage this. I like that. And making it so short being something that's 15 or 20 minutes, specifically to put the guests in a place where they've just gotten a glimpse and are coming out like, oh, that was fantastic. Like, I want to explore more of that. Where I want to explore more, more. Exactly. Like something that maybe has five or six floors and in 15 to 20 minutes you're just like i need to go back again um but not feel rushed not feel like it's something that you're just running around trying to like there's enough to to want to stay and take it all in so yeah 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 and that can definitely be tricky when you're presented with such a fantastic world so many instances just like i want to be everywhere at once but (laughs) alas i can only be in one place Exactly, exactly. And I also think for the actors as well. I mean, the brilliant actors that I've worked with put so much heart and soul into just really putting a lot of life into these characters. So I think it's always worthwhile to give them story, to make it rich, to make their environment rich, and then to let them just play. That's the kind of magic you can't you can't always create. So when you can, yeah, make yeah. it great. And I I love the idea of really trying to communicate the day in the life kind of experience, because, I mean, that's like just personally tapping into a lot of the the kind of sense of wonder that drew me personally to the medium Um, and like that, that incredible excitement of Sonder, the idea of getting a glimpse into something that you don't know anything about. Like, how would you communicate the day in the life kind of texture in an experience? You know, what's interesting is I think it can be something as simple as um, having a particular date just constantly shown throughout the space where like it could just be Tuesday, March 8. And nobody understands what that means, but it just seems like on this particular day, this is when this particular thing happens and this is what this world looks like looks like. Um, it could be something as easy as um, onboarding when folks get their ticket or whatever concierge or um, cast member greets the guest when they arrive. That can be part of the storytelling or part of the um, prologue, if that's if that's how the storyteller or director chooses to capture that. Um, I think there are a variety of ways they can do. Sometimes it can be sound effects or just the music, um, but I think it, it's something that usually can be pretty subtle. I find that most most guests are beyond the intelligence that we think that that people play to. That's maybe what I should say. Um, folks are really coming in with an understanding of how complex it can be. So play to that. Yeah, most definitely. And I love the idea of reinforcing reinforcing the context just with ubiquity of something as mundane as a date. That's that's a. <laughs> That's a technique that I like. I don't know if that is something you've used before or if that just came to mind, but that's fantastic. It actually just came to mind. I feel like there's something about this exercise which is so useful <laughs> that I might be, I might be um, 
I might use this in other spaces. It's really helpful because I make it immersive. Um, I've heard it on other segments and I've always enjoyed it. So yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the time that you just play. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so wonderful seeing how, like how people work with a concept coming from the various perspective that they are coming from and the various disciplines that they're experienced in and the kind mm-hmm. of things that come, come there. It's, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's the creation process that is, you know, important from every level from, you know, a producer down to a guest who has just happened upon this thing. It's the act of co-creation and agency. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. And it's because the whole thing, top to bottom, is an act of co-creation that we're taking a handful of episodes here to focus on the design process and the nuts and bolts of putting together an immersive show. Oh, and one brief thing before you go. If you happen to know anyone who works in theater or live events, would you consider telling them about the Emergent Nation podcast? If you're listening right now, you probably at least suspect that immersive entertainment is going to significantly change the kind of things we think about doing on a Friday night. And for your friends, family, and colleagues that make their living on or around live entertainment, having a way to stay up to date with this inevitably disruptive wave that is immersive experience could realistically give them a meaningful edge in what they do. And of course, if you're listening, they would be in excellent company. Thanks, everyone. I hope you have a fantastic Friday.